Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. We are here for another episode so we can all learn to earn. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, something that people often overlook, and it kind of freaks me out a little bit, I'll be honest with you. You know, there's people out there, realtors, investors, wholesalers, buying deals, selling deals, doing this, doing that. Nobody ever talks about the title. Nobody ever talks about the deed and what Two things brought this episode up for me to talk about this week. One was one of my partners received a text. We were in St. Louis at a mastermind recently, and he received a text message from some joker who wholesales in our market here who's apparently hiding out in some other state. He's kind of a shady character, but anyway, he was trying to assure my partner, who obviously knows better, that uh, he was trying to convey a property via quick claim deed. Quit claim deed. That's Q U I T claim deed. For those of you who don't know, a quick claim deed basically is a is a quick and simple. People that's why people always say quick, but it's actually quit claim deed. They it's a very simple way to transfer title from one person to another or the responsibility away from one person rather. Here's the problem with a quick claim deed though, folks. A quick claim deed means that all liens, encumbrances, issues, whatever transfer along with it. In other words, the current owner who has the issues basically just passes them off to you. So number one, I can never think of a case except a husband and wife where a quick claim makes sense. In other words, if you're buying a property, don't use a quick claim deed. It's dangerous. Just don't do it. Avoid it at all costs. Unless maybe your attorney tells you to do it, but then if it's not to your husband or your wife, I would I would ask for a second opinion because you don't have any of the common protection that you should have when you buy a property or acquire a property. If you're using a quick claim deed, everything, all the garbage that could be recorded against the title since the beginning of time transfers over. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, but I want to start out with people's assumptions, but I'm not sure if people feel that, you know, title just miraculously transfers or somebody sits down at the courthouse and, signs a little paper, the judge stamps off on it or something like that, but it it's a little more involved than that. In other words, when title transfers, there's a certain procedure of how that's done, and that procedure varies from state to state. For example, in Florida, we use title companies. They're title insurance companies, which are basically, I call them small insurance agencies that do themselves or facilitate title searches and exams. They will search the title Make sure there's no liens or encumbrances or things recorded against it or the seller of the property, which I'll cover that in a minute, against the title. And that helps protect you as a buyer from getting in 
hot water. In other words, buying a property that has old liens on it or maybe it's, it wasn't probated or foreclosed upon properly. It makes sure that what you're getting, what you're buying, and more importantly, a lot of times liens that attach to the person can sometimes carry on to the property. For example, child support, federal tax liens, things like that can stick to a property and affect its ability to have the title, the quality of the title, insurable. I would never recommend buying a property without title insurance, first of all. I think it's critical as a buyer of either if it's rental property, flip, it doesn't matter what your exit strategy is. You should make sure that you are receiving free and clear title, free of any issues, free of any encumbrances, free of any liens. Just make that a policy. And this is part of my problem with the real estate industry is that real estate agents are not trained on this topic. They don't know those that some of them that are trained simply don't care. Um, but the majority of them just simply don't know. This is not something that's taught in real estate school, although it should be. Wholesalers are certainly not taught this. They're just taught to transfer the deed. They're not taught to worry about the quality of the deed. And the problem is there's so much misinformation out there today that people aren't simply taking responsibility to make sure that everybody in the transaction is protected. Everybody's looking out for themselves. And here's the thing. If those of you listen to this, this show right now, if you are a wholesaler, you are responsible for assigning a contract on a property with a title issue. That's very likely that you could get sued. Very likely that you could get sued because if you are the cause for the title of a property transferring the head issues, do you think it's reasonable that the buyer would might include you in a lawsuit? Now, some people say, well, it wouldn't be my responsibility. Well, you can explain that to the judge and you better hope the judge feels sorry for you out there wholesaling a property, making thousands of dollars in assignment fee, I'm sure the judge will pity you. Sure, why not? Why wouldn't he? Makes total logical sense, doesn't it? You may think, well, he can't sue me. It's not my fault. Understand that people can sue you for any reason. It doesn't cost but, I think, $50 in my county to file a lawsuit, maybe 100 bucks. big deal. I could sue any one of you. You guys could sue me. And it wastes a lot of everybody's time, especially if you haven't really done anything wrong. But my point is, if you are a wholesaler or an agent and you're, you you don't take steps to, number one, protect your buyer, number two, protect yourself, you could be opening yourself up to potential liability. Now, I'm not an attorney. Don't claim to be one. But that's something you should talk about with a real estate attorney. You go find a real good real estate attorney. If you're in Florida, I recommend Sean Yesner. He's one of the best of the business, in my opinion. He's, he represents my, my companies. And when I have a question regarding title, the first person I call is him. If it's, if it's super duper complicated, if it's not complicated, I will talk to my title guy. But my title guy goes to Sean Yesner for title questions. Now, if you're not in the state of Florida, Sean really can't offer you much advice on outside of the state of Florida in regard to title issues. But if you're in Florida, give him a call. He'd be happy to answer your questions. I'm sure there's probably going to be a fee of some sort, but trust me, it's well worth it. So this all begins, ladies and gentlemen, with understanding that the most common way that investors lose money, the absolute most common way investors lose money is due to title issues. And that comes down to discrepancies that are often overlooked or ignored. And these are the things that you got to pay attention to. And you think, well, geez, you know, there's so much paperwork when I close, how would I possibly be able to dis discover a title problem? Well, that begins with selecting a good title company. Now, I've used the same title company for years. They do all my title work. Anytime I have a new property coming online, they are the ones that 
do the title work. Even when I'm acting as an agent and I'm selling people's properties, I make sure I use the same title company over and over again. Under no circumstances will I do a transaction where I am involved in the buying side of the transaction, whether it be as a buyer or a buyer's agent, that we do not control the title. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, but finding a good title company is critical. And a great way to ask who, who find out who a good title company is, is if you know a good lender or you know a good attorney, ask them who they would recommend as a good title company. Now in some states like New York, attorneys handle everything. I'll reserve my opinion on that, but actually, no, I won't. I think that's ridiculous. I think that overprices transactions and I think that attorneys are just making things more difficult. A lot of transactions in the state of New York I've heard about fall apart because some attorney decides he wants to get extra legal fees. It's unscrupulous in my opinion, but I digress. In Florida, and in many states, they have title insurance companies that will process all the closing documents. They're good at what they do. It's the only thing they do. They do it day in and day out. They understand the process. The problem is attorneys sometimes, especially ones that are not real estate attorneys, they're always looking for different ways to make money. So they may not necessarily be an expert in, in title process and, and real estate law, but they'll take it on anyway. They'll do the closing because they can get some extra money for it. They, sometimes I've seen them charge $1,500, $2,000, in closing fees, which is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. However, that exists out there. So I would have, if it was me, I wouldn't do an attorney closing unless it was a real estate attorney and a darn good one. Because at the end of the day, folks, they're paralegal, which is making not much, 10, 12, 15 bucks an hour, is the one really doing all the work. So you got to ask yourself, you know, how, what's the quality of the work? And at the end of the day, if the attorney screws it up, do you really think you're going to successfully screw an attorney? You know, or, or sue an attorney, rather. No, they're going to screw you back. That's how that's going to work. This all begins, ladies and gentlemen, with always reading and understanding the contract for purchase. Make sure you fully understand this. In the contract, it should spell out exactly who pays for what, who does what, what the expectations are. When there's a problem, it discusses the means of resolution. At least it should. Now, this is a hot button for me with contracts, and I'm not going to get too far off topic here, but I just want to say this. There's lots of companies out, people out there that are throwing around contracts and selling contracts and do this and do that with contracts. I don't care what contract you decide to use. You should get with a real estate attorney and have them review the contract. Number one, to make sure it's written so it's fair to all parties. You wouldn't want to be accused of taking advantage of somebody, number one. Number two, you want to make sure that it's understandable, that you, in fact, can understand it. Now, I usually tell people, and I'm not an attorney, like I said, but I usually tell people, I recommend that you try to use the state contract in the state where you're doing business. And here's why. The state contract usually is agreed upon. It's written by the, the bar in that state. Like in Florida, it's called the FAR Bar. It's a, that stands for Florida Association of Realtors and the Bar Association, which are all the, the uh, attorneys. So they all got together in a room and decided on a standard format and wording and a lot of fill in the blank. So it's the accepted or most commonly accepted format. That means people will understand it more often. That means when people understand something, they are usually no longer afraid of it. You see where I'm going with this? If you're using some sort of convoluted contract that people don't understand, well, that's going to raise red flags, scrutiny, what have you. But if you use a contract that's widely accepted by several different uh, people, attorneys, realtors, things like that, You'll find a greater success in your deals. If you if people fear what they don't understand, that's a fact. People absolutely fear what they don't understand. 
So if you provide them with something that they don't understand, how's that going to work out? They're going to fear it. When they fear it, they're going to raise question. It could cause your deal to fall apart. The other side of the coin is don't be a fool and use a one-page contract or buy a property on a napkin or things like that. I know it sounds cool and sexy. I know the gurus use that when they're pitching a course, and that's, that's, that's all fine and dandy. But let's be realistic, folks. If what happens when something goes wrong is not addressed in writing, how are you going to address it? Well, the first thing is everybody's going to panic. Step two is everybody hires an attorney and starts suing each other. Well, that accomplishes nothing. Everybody gets mad and angry, and everybody's a victim, and the attorneys get rich. Probably not a good plan. So make sure that you have a contract that you completely understand. Okay, everything that could happen should be addressed in that contract. That's the beauty of the state contracts. Yes, they're seven to 12 pages long, but they do cover a lot of things that I guarantee that you are going to think that won't happen to me, but it will. (laughs) Or uh, it'll leave you wide open for a dispute that could cost you money and you want to avoid that. Now, the contract should cover who pays for what. Okay, searches, exams, things like that, things like that. What happens when issues with title arise? That should be covered in the contract. Very clear so that everybody understands it. I can't be stressed enough how important this is because understand that you're going to come across title issues. If you use a decent title company, they're going to find something wrong. That's just a fact of life because you're, humans make mistakes and there are mistakes on title all the time. Government offices make mistakes. Foreclosures are not filed properly. Speaking of foreclosures, very, very often, foreclosures have mistakes in legal process and procedure. Now, that's a small part of it is not the not crossing the T's and dotting the I's. You've heard about that. The people that, no, they can't find the note and everybody's a victim. You don't have to pay your mortgage, whatever. I'm talking about absolute mistakes such as failure to notice, or failure to properly certify, or serve, rather, the parties that are involved in the foreclosure proceeding. That's a very common one. I hear that a lot. Uh, Sean Yesner talks about that on his podcast, people not getting properly served. Speaking of which, my attorney, Sean Yesner, has a podcast called Crushing Debt. It is a great show. It's called Crushing Debt. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, you name it, Crushing Debt Podcast. If you have trouble finding it, reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to send you a link to it. But uh Crushing Debt Podcast. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and maybe put something in the show notes if I can remember, and then you'll have access to that. Take a listen to that because it's a great show and there's lots of good advice in there. So make sure you listen into that. But as I was saying, failure to properly serve or properly notify parties, it's very, very common. I would almost say it's rampant in in a lot of the cases that I've seen or heard, and it could lead to a a sale of a property getting unwound. In other words, a judge could say, well, that sale didn't happen and it actually reverts back to the original owner so that the court can take some action. That's happened in the past. That's not going to work out well for your wallet if that happens or your purse. That's not a good plan. So you have to understand that these things can happen. A sale, all sales are not final. Things can be reversed. The IRS has the power similar to that. So keep that in mind. Making sure you have title insurance would cover you provided that these things were discovered and or maybe overlooked but not accepted on the title policy. Exceptions are something I want to talk about right now. That's what I was just meaning is exceptions, not accepted, but exceptions, E-X-C-E-P-T-I-O-N-S, exceptions to the title insurance policies are usually found on Schedule A of your 
title commitment. Now, people, a lot of people are going, what in the world is a title commitment? Well, here's the thing, guys. you got to understand this. You should know this. If you're going to buy a property, you absolutely have to see a copy of that title commitment. Now, I had a young kid that I was trying to mentor who didn't listen. He was in a big rush. He was all excited to buy his first property. Even though we discovered issues on the title commitment, he fell, succumbed to pressure of a scumbag attorney and some local guy who claimed to be his mentor talked him into buying a property that had title issues so severe that his ownership is in question. He succumbed to pressure and closed with title issues in place. The title company listed them as an exception to the title insurance, which means those issues, should they affect the the ownership of the property or the quality of title are not covered by title insurance, which means if something happens as a result of those, he gets to dig deep into his pocket of which he doesn't have much money and pay for an attorney tens of thousands of dollars possibly to correct these issues. Don't be stupid. Don't be that excited that you're willing to say, okay, I'll take it with a title defect. That just doesn't make good sense. So, Look at that Schedule A, number one. Verify when you get a title insurance commitment. Basically, it's a couple pages long. It's got Schedule A, Schedule B, Schedule B Section 2, three, four pages. You want to look at that title insurance commitment, and that title company is saying to you, here's what we found. We are willing to insure it under these conditions, and here's a few things that came up that we will not insure, basically, is how that's laid out. But the first page of it is called Schedule A. Schedule A is there to basically verify the information is what you think it is. In other words, you're buying 123 Anywhere Street. Here's the tax ID, the legal description, the plat description. Plat is something you can look that up on Google. I'm not going to go into that today because I can talk for hours on plat. But understanding exactly what you're buying, making sure that the address is correct, making sure the legal description is correct, the boundaries are correct. Compare that to the survey. You should be getting a survey. I'll talk about that in a minute. But you should be getting a survey and make sure that all those things match. Everything matches because if things don't match, that should be an immediate red flag to you. That should keep you thinking twice about what you're doing. So make sure that you take the time to read that title commitment and understand it. Foreclosures. When you see a foreclosure property and, oh, I got a great deal, your titling commitment is usually going to have a laundry list of items on it. And a lot of times, the title insurance companies that process foreclosures, so let's say you buy something from a bank that's a foreclosure, they always want to push you to have their title insurance, their title company do the closing. Some agents will be so unethical as to say you don't have a choice but to allow the bank's title insurance company to close it. That's false, folks. Demand to have control over the title policy. Your company as the buyer is your responsibility to make sure the title is clear. Your agent isn't going to look out for you in most cases, unless you're buying from me. Your wholesaler certainly isn't going to look out for you. The seller is not going to look out for you. The bank's not going to look out for you. I've talked about that in previous episodes. You have to look out for you. And how you do that is you find a good title company, ask around, ask your friends, find a good title company, build rapport, build a relationship, and make sure and insist that they do the closing. Absolutely insist that they do the closing. So you're going to go through Schedule A. You're going to make sure everything matches up. You're going to go to Schedule B. And on Schedule B, which should be the next page, 
It talks about the issues, any issues that are with title, they'll be outlined in bold font. Now, something else that you should be ordering on every single time that you buy a property, you should be getting a municipal lien search, a municipal lien search. And what that means is, like in, in the, the county north of me here in Pasco County, Florida, they have uh, municipal liens for like streetlights and things like that, sewer uh, assessments. In some cases that the owners don't even realize that there's a lien against the property until they go to close. You want to have a municipal lien search done to make sure things are as they're presented. You would, how bad would it be as if you bought a property and you decided to be really dumb and buy a property to flip and then you go to flip it and find out when the new buyer buys it that, ooh, guess what? You've got a $10,000 lien against the property and we're going to have to take that out of your proceeds before we can close on this property. Well, if you don't have title insurance to cover that or if the title insurance policy accepts that, in other words, they listed it as an exception, you're screwed. There's nothing they can do to solve that problem except for you can open your checkbook and write a big old fat check to your real estate attorney. Let them litigate that for a while. That buyer is going to go on about their wayside. They're going to go find another house to buy and you are going to pay all those holding costs on that property. Good luck with that. So the way, a simple way to avoid it is Read Schedule B. Read it. Understand it. Okay? Any of the issues that come up are usually going to be outlined in bold. So if you look at the, your Schedule B, if any of you have actually bought a property, I don't care if it's the one you live in, go find your title, title commitment. Okay? Go find your title commitment. Look on Schedule B. Hell, look on Schedule A. You will see bold font. You will see regular font. Okay? Look at the bold font. The bold font is, is the things that have changed the regular font are the things that are boilerplate. In other words, those that's that's boilerplate text that's there in every single title commitment. You're looking for the stuff in bold. The stuff in bold is usually the items that need to be taken care of prior to closing. Now, Schedule B, Section 2, which is usually the next page in a lot of cases, lists those exceptions, which means we'll cover everything except these items. We will cover all issues with the title except for anything that happened with the foreclosure. Well, then <laughs> The title insurance is not worth the paper it's written on, folks. Don't be silly. Don't agree to that. Do not agree to that. If you use a state contract in most cases, that is addressed, that you have a right to back out and get all your earnest money back if the seller is not able to deliver marketable and insurable title. Read your contract and make sure it says marketable and insurable. There is a big difference. Marketable title just means that it's able to be transferred, essentially, Check with your legal attorney on, or your real estate attorney on that in your state. But marketable title is one thing. Insurable title is something completely different. You want to make sure that you have insurable title. You want to make sure that you have title insurance that has no exceptions, which means it's all covered. If there are any issues, it's covered. That's like saying, hey, we're going to sell you car insurance. That's like Geico saying, we're going to sell you car insurance. It's going to cover you for everything but a car accident. Well, what's the point of that? I mean, would you pay for car insurance if it insured you for anything except for an accident? Hey, if a tree falls on your car, we got your back. But if you get in an accident, you're on your own, pal. Are you going to sign up for that coverage? No, that doesn't make any sense. So let me ask you this. You're going to go out and pay 50, 60, 100, 200, a million dollars for a house. I don't care if you live in the house or you buy it as an investment property or buy it as a flip, whatever. Make sure that you've done your due diligence and that the title insurance does not have any of these wild exceptions on there. Make sure you have title insurance that cover the purchase price of the property. Okay. Lastly, I want to cover boundary disputes, something that happens quite often. 
folks, get a survey. People say, oh, I'm a cash buyer. I don't need a survey. Okay, so what if you bought the property to realize the day of closing that you you bought the property next door? And the guy living there isn't too happy about that. What if you bought a, 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 a house that had no lot? It's happened. What if the lot line runs right through the middle of the house and I come knocking on your door and say, hey, Jimmy, I'm going to have to go ahead and have you step out of that living room because that's not encroaching on my property line. I'm going to cut it out. Bad things can happen with bad title. Boundary disputes are common. Things like fences could be installed on your property or worse, your fence could be on somebody else's property. Wouldn't it be nice to move it before they realize it and maybe try to sue you? Because here's the thing about being sued. Even if you win, you still lose because you're going to have to pay an attorney to defend yourself. Unless, of course, you're dumb enough to go to court and try to defend yourself. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that. But if you're going to hire an attorney, that's going to cost you some money. It's also going to cost you some time. Save yourself the aggravation. Go get a survey. A survey only costs a couple hundred bucks. Depending on what state you're in, what area you're in, it costs between three and 500 bucks. Maybe if it's a huge wooded property, it would cost more. It doesn't matter, but understand that a survey is there to protect you. It is there to make sure that it's to document exactly what you are buying, exactly what you are buying. If you don't get a, a survey, and here's the thing, if you get buy a property with a mortgage, they're going to require you to get a survey. You don't have a choice. However, if you're using hard money or, God forbid, you're using cash, there, there's no requirements for you to get a survey. There's also no requirements for you to get an appraisal. There's no requirements for you to get title insurance if you pay cash, which is why I always tell people, especially if you're new, for the love of God, don't pay cash because none of the checks and balances are in place to protect you. Don't pay cash. Get a mortgage because they're going to keep you out of trouble. So get a survey, ladies and gentlemen. Take that survey when you get it. Look at it. Understand it. Be there, frankly, if you can, when the surveyor's there. Go to the property with a survey in hand, look at it, walk the property. You'll see the marks where they marked the corners of the property. And sometimes they spray paint them or they put a stake out. You can see where they dug down and found the marker uh, in a lot of places. They do that here in Florida. But understand what your boundaries are. Understand exactly what you own and then verify that against the title insurance commitment to make sure everything stands up. Lastly, before we close, I want to talk about controlling the closing. I brought it up earlier. I just want to hit it again before we wrap up here. If you're a buyer or a buyer's agent, you should control who does the closing because you're by doing so, you are controlling the quality of the closing. Don't fall trapped to some listing agent, some real estate agent saying to you, oh, well, the seller controls the closing. Oh, why is that? The liability for the closing and the, the accuracy of the title, prop, title preparation falls upon the buyer at closing. In other words, the buyer's the one assuming all the liability. The seller's off the hook once the, once the deed's transferred. So why in the world would you agree to let the seller pick the title company? And if it comes down to the cost of title insurance or the cost of this or cost of that, is it worth offering to just pay it to make sure that you can control the quality, ladies and gentlemen? Or call that person, that agent's title insurance company. Here, I'm here to tell you, most of the time, it's not the sellers that, that give one rat's ass and does the title insurance. They could care less. Who really cares is the agent because the agent's probably getting some kickback from the title insurance company. They're probably getting a free trip to the Aruba or some stuff, which is highly legal in most, most areas that I know about. I digress. Maybe they're getting a free coffee mug. Who knows? The listing agent really should not decide who does the closing. The buying, the buyer should. You pick a title company that you are comfortable working with.
that is good at what they do, that came highly recommended, you insist on closing with them. And if the seller balks about the fees, you just simply ask a title company to match the seller's title company fees. A good title company will do that to earn your business because those fees are absolutely negotiable. So have the seller send over an estimate of what it would charge, what it would cost at his company, and have your title company match that. I do that all the time. It's not a big deal. So make sure you control that. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for this week. And I want to, once again, invite you to our Facebook community, cashflowguys.com forward slash group. And more importantly, I'm going to give you, since this is your, we're talking about back to basics. We're going to start with, I've got a new course that was released by Larry Harbolt. We're co-branding this course. It's called the Real Estate Blueprint. And you want to hear about my first no money down deal, you can watch a video of me and you'll have the opportunity for $20, that's $19.97, to purchase an entire course online that's written by Larry Harbold himself for $19.97. And you can go there, get there by going to cashflowguys.com forward slash my first deal. My first deal spelled out. M-Y-F-I-R-S-T deal.com. Com, sorry, cashflowguys.com forward slash my first deal. Very, very important. I highly encourage you to get over there. Take advantage of that while it lasts. Guys, where else can you get a full featured real estate course for beginners for $19.97? There are weeks worth of information. Look forward to you get taking advantage of that opportunity. Meeting us over in the Facebook group. You can take advantage of some of the coaching that we have in there. Absolutely free of charge, but you got to take some action and get to your goals, get to where you want to be. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. I appreciate you coming out to listen to me and have a wonderful week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.